Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome, everybody, into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Uh, I am your host, George Southern, writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone, joined once again uh, by Georgia's state writer for the website, Zeke Palermo. Zeke, we kept the uh, the the subject of this uh, podcast this week under wraps a little bit because we were still working it out behind the scenes, but today we're talking breakout players in the conference um, you know, kind of give me your your overall thoughts and how you kind of decided on the guys you went with. Yeah, so when you uh, when you pitched this to me last week, I was really excited um, because I, I, I'm a guy that really likes to sit down and watch football, you know, as I'm sure all of our listeners do. So this was a good opportunity to uh, watch uh, some guys that you uh, may not have heard of or may not have really heard a ton about previously. Uh, I know we both have names that we've definitely mentioned previously on the podcast, but um, this was a really fun opportunity to uh, sit down and watch football and see guys that uh, have potential. I think um, it's important to distinguish between guys who are really good football players and guys that are uh, going to have very good years. Um, You know, not always the best players have the best years and vice versa. You've got uh, players in less or more ideal situations than others. Um, so it was difficult to discern who's an elite prospect that might go on to have a plentiful NFL career versus who's just going to perform well in the Sun Belt. But uh, this conversation we're having, I think you can rely on numbers really heavily, which is very good for this audio format. And uh, I think it should be a good one for uh, the folks at home. Yeah, for sure. So I took, uh, before we kind of get into the first player and you kick it off, I kind of took a a varied approach with when deciding on the players I went with Um, two of them. I went with, I think that are going to establish themselves as uh, you know, some of the top players in the conference at their respective positions. Um, And then the last player I went with, uh, I actually kind of took a different route on he, and, and we'll get to who this is, but he started off as um, I think he was all Sunbelt third team. And the way that I kind of went about the breakout process when I was looking at him is I think he's going to make a jump into being one of the top players in the conference at his position. Um, and, and when we get into that, I'll kind of explain more. Uh, but that's kind of how I went about the whole process and deciding on certain players. Zeke, with that said, do you want to kick us off and get into your first pick? Yeah, my first guy is uh, Frank Gore Jr., the running back from Southern Miss, obviously the son of legendary NFL running back Frank Gore. Um, Last year at Southern Miss, while they were playing, I believe, in the Conference USA, uh, he had about 180 carries for uh, 800 rushing yards, um, which 
as you kind of just mentioned, that's already a, a great place to start. Um, but what made him stand out as a, quote, breakout player is that he did that as a true sophomore, right? Um, the year prior, he rushed for about 700 yards as a true freshman, adding 100 yards in just one year. That's ridiculous. And now I think um, I'm of the opinion the sophomore to junior jump is probably your biggest uh, in college football. Um, so we're going to see an even bigger jump than that 100. Uh, Frank Gore, he's a really good runner. Uh, it seems like he's always finding holes, uh, much like his father. He's a very good, um, he's a very good route runner out of the backfield, which is, you know, adds a lot to his game. Um, but I think he's going to become immediately one of the most prolific backs in the Sun Belt this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could definitely see that. Like you said, he's got the name recognition, um, you know, and Zeke, I'm sure, you know, <laughs> you thought about this when you were picking Frank Gore Jr. He could also play quarterback in a pinch, yep. which is which is always something that's nice in case, you know, you run into a nightmare quarterback situation like uh, Southern missed it last year. Um, yeah, I like that as a pick. I was actually looking at him, too, as a potential breakout player. Um, I just there's so many good running back prospects in this conference that it's you could almost draw a name out of a hat with a lot of these guys um and and i know we talked about this with the west last week it's like a lot of the teams in the west don't like to run the ball they want to chuck it all over the field uh but it's it's always good to see that there's still a team or teams out there that are committed to to putting the ball on the ground so yeah i like that pick a lot um so getting into my first pick uh, I am going to go with uh, Troy quarterback Gunnar Watson. Um, my reason for doing this was um, he he had a pretty good year uh, if dating back to 2020 uh, where he, uh, you know, completed 70% of his passes uh, in, in mixed action with a, another guy and uh, threw 16 touchdowns to just seven picks. Um, last year, Troy, you know, Chip Lindsay is looking to keep his job, right? Which we ultimately know did not happen. Uh, so he brings in transfer quarterback Taylor Powell over from Missouri. And, you know, they didn't start the season so hot, obviously, with the way that their whole season panned out. So after six games, he gets benched for Watson, who takes over as the full time starter. Uh, and Watson played limited duty. Um, you know, completed 61% of his passes, eight touchdowns, four picks, just threw for over 1,600 yards. But I was on Troy's website and on his profile uh, earlier, and I saw, you know, it, it was running down his list of kind of accomplishments from last year. Uh, and one of the things I saw that really stood out to me was, uh, you know, he, he had receivers drop 17 of his balls last year. Mm-hmm. Um, which would have taken his completion percentage from 61.4 to 64.1, which is you know quite a big jump. And I like some of the t- some of the games he played uh, last year. Um, you know he was really good against uh, he was good against Louisiana. Threw for 350 against them. Uh, threw three touchdowns against Coastal Carolina. Uh, w- completed 78 percent of his passes in a win over South Alabama. Um, I just think. Personally, Chip Lindsey was just not a good football coach. Mm-hmm. And I think he was holding Watson back just because he was doing anything and everything he could with the Powell thing to just yep. hold on to his job. 
So I think now I, I will say you and all you and I touched on this before we started recording. I just found out that three days ago, um, Jarrett Dagey just transferred in to Troy from West Virginia. But again, he's officially been on the team for three days. So it looks like Gunnar Watson's still going to start. And uh, he's my pick. He's my first uh, first pick as far as breakout player go. Yeah. Uh, what worries me about Watson, um, first of all, he's incredibly immobile, um, which I, I feel like any quarterback at this uh, point in the development of the game of football, you've got to have some sort of set of legs under you. Uh, last year, he only rushed the ball 27 yards, and that includes those janky plays where they don't want to call it a sack, but he also was tackled behind the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, he ran the ball, I guess, less than 27 times last year, which really worries me. Um, additionally, you mentioned Chip Lindsey not being able to really utilize him well. Um, as we talked in our previews, uh, uh, Troy is a new set of head coach, new uh, new set of coordinators. John Sumrall is a defensive guy. Uh, their new head coach, so I don't think he's going to really improve um, Watson tremendously in that regard. But their offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Craddock, he's a QB guy. He uh, coached QBs at uh, SMU, as excuse me, as well as uh, Arkansas. But the last time Craddock was an offensive coordinator, he was at Arkansas, and that Arkansas team had the fourth, fourth rather, fourth worst passing offense in the SEC. Uh, obviously, that's just one year, a uh, whole different team, whole different conference. So those numbers may be different here, but uh, there are just some things that worry me about uh, Gunnar Watson within that new scheme, uh, which made it a easy pass for me. So I don't know who was the head coach of that Arkansas team that you just spoke about. Uh, yep. I'm going to assume it was either Brett Bielema or Chad Morris. And neither one of those guys are Chad Morris is not employed as a head coach anywhere. Let's just say that yep. uh, he's not head coach material. So I'm not surprised if you're going to say that Arkansas used to be bad on offense. I'm not going to hold that against Craddock. I just think uh, personally that just not having Chip Lindsay anywhere near the Troy football pro- program will be good for Watson, especially if Subaral can just commit to him as the starting quarterback full time. Uh, I'd like to see what he could do in, you know, less than or more than limited duty. So, um, yeah, like I said, and, and I think he has the potential just as a pure passer to establish himself as like one of the top three quarterbacks in the conference potentially. Yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of why why I made my pick. Um, like I said, we'll see what happens with this transfer situation with Daigie. Um, but other other than that, I'd like to see Watson get a full complement of, of games and kind of see what he's made of. Yeah. So, Zeke, give me your second breakout player. That rolls into my second guy, who's wide receiver Sam Pinckney from Coastal Carolina. He's uh, transferring from Georgia State, another Sun Belt school, obviously. Um, last season, only, only 27 catches for 311 yards. Um, but the last year and over the past, honestly, his entire career, he's been dealing with dings and, uh, you know, bumps and bruises that have kept him out of the odd game that, uh, really prevented him from playing a full thir- 12, 13 game season. Um, 
last season, like I said, only 300 yards. Uh, however, keep in mind, again, injuries. And uh, Darren Granger was the quarterback uh, at Georgia State. Granger, not an exceptional passer. Uh, however, the year before, 2020, when they had Cornelius Brown, who is a far better passer than Granger is now, 47 catches for 815 yards. Uh, Coastal Carolina lost their two top receivers, um, who were second and third in the conference in receiving yards last season. So Pinckney looks to be the top guy in what may be the single best passing offense. Uh, I know you're very high on Grayson McCall, um, and this will be the best receiver he or quarterback Pinckney's played with in his career. So I think uh, just by nature of being the best receiver in a uh, very empty receiver room that uh, of a very good passing offense, uh, Pinckney makes uh, my list. Yeah, I like that pick too. I was I was looking at Pinckney as well as far as uh, a contender goes. Like you said, now he's paired with Grayson McCall, which will uh, be a huge boost for him. Um, I like his measurables too. I think he's like six four. If I got that right, I, I was want to say six three, but yeah, he's right. At, he's a taller receiver. Yeah, and I I just like that um, as far as. You know, if he's going to be the proper like X receiver on the outside, say, mm-hmm. um, I like him being paired with McCall. Like you said, I I like to see these receivers get paired with legitimate quarterbacks and just see like kind of what they can do. So I like him as a pick. Like I said, he was kind of on my radar too. So mm-hmm. I I agree. I could totally see a, a world where I mean he makes all Sun Belt first or second team as a receiver. Yeah, to be back totally in 2020, uh, as one of your guys is, Pinkney was an All Sun Belt receiver. Uh, yeah, two years ago, so he yeah. it's one of the uh, easier picks, but definitely a guy that's going to have a good year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even though he was All Sun Belt, like you said, two years ago, I just think he could probably take the next step statistically as a receiver with Grayson McCall thrown in the football. Yeah, so I like that. I like that pick a lot. Um. And, and speaking of receivers, uh, I'm getting into my second choice here for breakout. I'm going to go with South Alabama's Jalen Wayne. Um, last season, you know, he played with the now Cowboys receiver Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert was like an absolute target magnet uh, for everybody that started at quarterback for the, the Jaguars last year. And now I kind of feel like it's Wayne's turn to step up and, and fill that void left behind by Tolbert. Um, you know, he had some pretty good games last year. Like, I'm looking at his game log here. Had a, a nine catches for 111 yards against Coastal. Uh, absolutely torched Georgia Southern's terrible secondary last year. Seven catches, 117. Uh, I The only thing that gives me pause is what – is South Alabama going to do at the quarterback position? And can they just stick with somebody for an entire season and sort of let them develop a rapport and some chemistry and stuff like that? But I've liked Wayne for two years now. I was impressed with what he kind of turned in in 2020, even though, like I said, the quarterback position for South Alabama has not always been a stable one. Mm-hmm. And I think if he kind of soaks up and becomes a target magnet, I'm not saying he's going to be what Tolbert was because Tolbert is obviously an NFL caliber third round receiver, but I just like to see what he can do as the guy. So what do you think about that? No, I, I mean, you're 
head, what is it? Nail on the head or head on the nail rather. It's I when we were discussing who we had, I was kicking myself that you got to Jalen Wayne first because um as you mentioned, I mean he's going to be filling this only offensive weapon role in South Alabama that Jalen Tolbert um filled previously. Uh in the vein of the way I kind of monologued of being a good football player versus having good stats, I do wonder if Wayne is going to be able to get as open as Tolbert was. Uh, Tolbert, I mean, it seemed like every route he was running, guy had, you know, two, three yards of empty space around him. But I, I think by just pure volume, there's no reason Jalen Wayne can't eclipse 1,200, maybe even 1,300 yards this season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's probably going to be the primary option because when you look at the roster, I mean, nobody really, nobody else really stands out. But if he's the guy and he's going to get peppered with targets this year, I I just want to see what he can do. And like I said, if they, if they decide Desmond Trotter or someone else is the guy, I'd just like to see them stick with somebody and see what – what Wayne could do with a full complement of, of passes kind of going his way. So he's my choice for my second breakout player. Uh, Zeke, who do you have as your third and final breakout player? So my third guy is Henry Columby from Marshall. Uh, He obviously Marshall's first year, but Columby, this is his first year with the team. Last year he played for Texas tech passed for uh, just a shade under 1300 yards uh, about a 64% completion percentage. Uh, what does scare me is a 5-to-5 five five touchdown-to-interception ratio, which uh, does not fly. But Columby was never really the uh, the full-time starter at Texas Tech. He played at uh, Utah previously. He'll be a super senior his fifth year this season, and he hasn't really had an opportunity to be the guy anywhere. Um, and at Marshall, it's shaping up like he will be the guy, at least to start. Um, and I think Columby's had some solid, if not by no means great, but very solid years uh, at teams like Texas Tech and Utah where they're playing opponents like Texas, Oklahoma on a yearly basis. I So while his resume isn't shouting, hey, I'm going to be really good this year, it's this idea that this is his chance to be the guy uh, on a team – or in a conference that is probably easier, generally speaking, than the competition he's played previous. Yeah, um, I just I, I get what you what you're saying. I just don't know what to expect from him. I think the best the best thing you can hope is that he just does enough to keep the heat off of Rasheen Ali in mm-hmm. the backfield and make it so that players on the other uh, on the defensive side of the ball can't just tee off on Ali and the last couple years you know uh, Grant Wells who has since transferred from Marshall was at least good enough to do that so like you know we'll see what he can do I did think it was a little interesting I mean there's not a significant defense or difference here when you look at it I did think it was interesting that you kind of poo-pooed my Gunnar Watson pick for him not being mobile. <laughs> and Henry Columby ran for 66 yards last year. <laughs> well, yeah, he's by, he's by no means mobile. But uh, I I think, as, as you mentioned, Rasheen Ali, right, um, Columby's not going to be asked to pass the ball 
and B, this is our offense, is Colin B passing the ball. He's going to need to, you know, sell a play action, you know, every other play, and then drop a dime deep, which from what I saw in his film, especially last season at Texas Tech, I thought he threw a really, really pretty deep ball. Um, so, you know, at Gunnar Watson, will probably be a better quarterback. Again, back to this good player versus good stats. Gunnar Watson will probably be a better quarterback, but I think Colin B might put up better numbers. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see it. And we'll just have to see what Marshall's offense looks like this year outside of Ali. Um, yep. Like, I don't think either one of us are going to argue with the fact that he's a great running back and maybe one of the top, what, two running backs in the conference, I would say. Um, So we'll just have to see, you know, what what kind of becomes of it. I think Columby is an interesting pick because, like I said, if if he could take advantage of teams trying to just absolutely clue in on the run on every play, I mean, there might be some play action there where you know somebody gets loose deep or something like that so i think he's in a pretty ideal situation for someone who's played some limited time and can come in and and also have a running back kind of take the heat off of him um so yeah that's an interesting pick for sure um so i have one final pick and then i brought an honorable mention to the table and i'll talk about him after this but my final pick uh for breakout player is App State outside linebacker Nick Hampton. Now, when I approached doing Nick Hampton as my third breakout player, I I do realize before I start off on this that last year he was third team all-conference. However, I think he's going to jump into that first tier. I think he's going to be a first-team all-sunbelt linebacker this year. Um, You know, he he has 19.5 sacks in his career, at app uh he's 12th in school history in in that category um you know i i just i I think he's gonna absolutely crush it this year and he you know pff college named him first team all sunbelt um you know he had 11 sacks last year 17 and a half tackles for a loss I just he's on the uh, the athletics. I don't know if Zeke, if you're familiar with this, the freaks list that they put I together. Can't say I am no. Yeah, so they basically put together uh, for people who don't know a list of just athletic freaks uh, throughout college football, uh, and he's on that list. Uh, he can incline press 365, uh, sumo deadlift 600 pounds. He's got a vert of 39 inches. He's got a top top speed running of 21 miles per hour. So he's a great athlete. Uh, he has good instincts at the linebacker position, and he can rush the passer, which is huge. Um, 6'3", 235, redshirt junior. I think he's going to kind of vault himself into, like I said, that that upper echelon of Sunbelt defenders, and I think he's going to be probably the best player at his um, position, I think, uh, this year. So, Zeke, what do you think about that? Yeah, so um... – as I'm sure everyone is aware, it's really hard to look at just the stats for a defensive player and determine if they were good or bad, right? Um, but as you mentioned, Hampton was a menace in the backfield last year. I think he had uh, 11 sacks last season, 17 and a half tackles for loss. So he's a really good pass rushing linebacker. Um, and 
if we're looking at him in the context of just being a pass rushing linebacker, incredible. You know, put his hand in the dirt. He will be, uh, you know, he's great as that joker or, you know, whatever you want to call him for App State's 3-4 defense. I think he leaves a lot to be desired in terms of a traditional second-level linebacker, only uh, 68 tackles in total last season, is not incredible. But as you mentioned, he's just ridiculously athletic. He has a knack for finding the backfield, and I think he works incredibly well in this App State 3-4 and will continue to work well in that 3-4 just, you know, again, this is good football player versus good stats. And I think uh, he's going to have a maybe, you know, another 10 sack year this season is entirely on the table. Yeah, I, I think he's like you said, he, he's in an incredibly favorable situation as a part of App State's defense. They always find a way to kind of have that next man up. And he's been the guy. I mean, like I said, la- last year one of only five players nationally with 10 sacks, 15 tackles for a loss and 65 tackles. Uh, Pretty good. And the ability to rush the passer, you just can't, you can't put a price on that. So whether you want to categorize him as a, as an outside linebacker or an edge defender, as, as those players are being more and more classified as, as we kind of get into, uh, I guess, football lore, We've started kind of separating those players by uh, general positions rather than saying, oh, he plays right outside linebacker or he he plays left defensive end or whatever. It's just like edge, interior, off-ball linebacker, and like that's how you kind of categorize it. But I think he's going to establish himself as probably the best edge player in the conference if he hasn't yet already. But so um, I know I know this is cheating a little bit. But I brought, like I said, the uh, the honorable mention player. Uh, my honorable mention is Chris Smith, uh, running back from Louisiana. Um, last year, had 855 yards on the ground, averaged 5.6 yards per carry, uh, had you know eight touchdowns, uh, and then you know caught 14 passes for 75 yards. Um, I think he's going to be the guy. Uh, for a Louisiana team that obviously loves to run the football, um, this is this has been going back years, and I think Desormo coming in is kind of going to keep that same tradition that you know that was established with the the Trey Reguses and the Eli Mitchells and the you know all, Raymond Calais and all those ki- type of guys. So I think he is going to feast. Uh, on a bad, I mean, we've talked about it last week on a, on an underwhelming Sunbelt West division. Mm-hmm. And we think that they're going to be the default best team uh, in the West. And they love to run the football. I mean, this has been going back years now, even though they've changed head coaches. So even though Napier's not there, I expect a to kind of run the ball the same, the same way and play defense and, and ball control and all those kind of things, especially with a new quarterback. So Zeke, as far as a, a honorable mention, what do you think about Chris Smith? Uh, I think he adds a lot, something you didn't mention, as a return man. Uh, last year, uh, he was averaging about 20 yards per kickoff return. Uh, he may not resume, resume those duties if he is the top running back in that offense. You don't want your 
your key running back to get hurt on a kickoff return. But last year, 480 return yards. In 2020, he took two to the crib. So I think Chris, uh, Chris Smith is a great pick because he offers a ton, obviously, on the ground, but then he's also uh, he's shifty enough to offer you something in the uh, special teams. Yeah, so last year was a, a, a Sunbelt first-team specialist uh, with that kick-returning duty, like you said. This was another pick uh, along with uh, Hampton that was kind of a, a cop-out, but I just felt like this is another guy who's taking that next step in kind of establishing himself within the conference. And like I said, we, we've got a lot of good running backs uh, in the Sun Belt, and Louisiana loves to run the ball. So I think if the volume is there, I think efficiency-wise, he's going to be an absolute monster. I mean, like I said, the last two years, he's averaged 5.6 yards per carry each season. Yeah. Um, and he was third-team all-Sun Belt offense at the end of last year. I think if he's the guy, he's going to be – I think it's going to be hard for him to be first-team because – Ali is just like a bell cow for Marshall. And I I, kind of got to split the difference with Noel and Peoples for App because if they share duties, then neither one of them is going to, you know, jump off the page as being the guy. So if Chris Smith is the guy, I I like him as, you know, a second second team running back for this. Yeah, that's a good take. I, I like that pick as well. All right. Um, so that pretty much does it. Uh, we just wanted to kind of talk about some individual players it, more in depth than we had the last two weeks, because like I said, the last two weeks we were just reviewing things for the entire conference. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's uh, that will do it next week. We will be back previewing week one of Sunbelt play coming up uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, week zero kicks off this weekend, so we'll actually have some football to watch, even though it won't be Sunbelt related. Zeke, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. And personally, I couldn't be more excited that football is actually back. No, yeah, it's super pumped. Uh, you know, obviously, week zero, not the best games, but it looks like we're going to have a couple good ones. Vandy Hawaii might be a fun one. Uh, that one kicking off 10 30 Eastern. Um, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. That's where I post this podcast, where I post any Georgia State stuff I write and any other uh, sports thoughts I have. How about you, Brian? Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. Like I said, once we start individually digging more into our teams and uh, just Sunbelt play as a whole – We'll come back and and talk through these games that are going to happen. We'll talk about them from a uh, who's going to win versus who's going to lose perspective. Uh, I'll throw in some betting stuff uh, here and there with betting getting so huge now and getting legalized everywhere. So we'll be back next week, like I said, for another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.